You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, your trusty if not talented host of the program, fresh from BamaOnline.com, where I serve as the senior analyst for the website, of course, part of the 247sports.com network. The show is always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Big graduation weekend here in Tuscaloosa. Got some Alabama football players among the graduates over there off Bryant Drive at Coleman Coliseum here in the next couple of days. Well, if you have a graduate, why not treat them to some of that outstanding Peter Brook chocolatier chocolate, those treats. Heather and the crew, they've got some graduation-specific items that might be of interest to you. Get by there right now at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. I'm joined on the program today by executive producer emeritus, the one, the only, Tommy Paradise, who together we are going to once again form the 60-Minute Moon. Woo! Is that a double woo? I hope so. Yes, sir. Friday, Fridays deserve it. But uh, we got Tommy Paradise and his crew helping us out on a Friday morning. We'd love to hear from you as well. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line if you'd like to jump on board with us. So much to talk about on this Friday morning. We've got Charlie Potter, my colleague there at BamaOnline.com, lined up for us. Coming up a little bit later in the program, we check in with Charlie's, with Charlie. That's not plural. It's just Charlie. We check in with Charlie on Fridays. I know he's excited right now because his Orlando Magic, you had that NBA restart last night. What did you think of that down at Disney? I'd say the two games delivered, both games, the Jazz and the Pels. You saw bursts of Zion Williamson. Unfortunately for the Pels and it's their fans. Of course, we are a part of that fan base after having adopted the Pelicans following the draft of uh, Zion. Didn't see enough of Zion down the stretch, but an entertaining game nonetheless with the Jazz and the Pelicans. And then, of course, the nightcap. You had LeBron. You had Kawhi. I thought Paul George almost stole that show a little bit, though. How about Paul George from three last night against the Lakers? Kawhi with 28. Paul George with 30. A.D. for the Lakers, Anthony Davis with, what was it, 34? 34 last night? But it was LeBron who came in, came through down the stretch, had the put back of his own miss late, and the Lakers were able to survive the Clippers in a crosstown matchup that took place across the country. Instead of L.A., you had that one down in Central Florida. But you've got Charlie Potter, big Magic fan. I know he's excited about the restart involving his team coming up a little bit later this afternoon. But obviously, we're going to have a lot of college football talk with Charlie and throughout the program on the heels of something we talked about a good bit yesterday. We've been talking about the potential for that all-SEC 10-game conference schedule since when on this program? Probably back in March. I know that, obviously, Cecil Hurt, 
has been a proponent or a suggester of this very format that we're going to have now. We've talked with Cecil about that for the last four and a half months here on the show. I think Brett McMurphy was also very early uh, in getting that out there. Brett McMurphy, the college football insider from stadium.com, but it looks like that's the format we have to work with. Still so many things to consider when you start trying to put together. Sounds simple enough, right? Ten-game conference schedule. Uh, I know that in connecting dots, I've done this myself. You think, well, you know, who are the opponents from the East that, say, Alabama hasn't seen in the longest period of time or who's next up on the rotation from the SEC divisional standpoint? And, well, you'd look at Florida and you would look at Vanderbilt. But uh, I don't think it's going to be that simple. And what we've heard from Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, in the last 18 hours or so, it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case either. I mean, you've got to consider competitive balance, right, when you try to put this all together. I know, you know, some of the, the, the potential scheduling that you saw based on the formula that we just talked about, um, you know, you, you look at some teams like Florida. In the situation of Florida, if we use the next Western Division opponents on future schedules that are going to rotate in, Florida in that scenario would be looking at Alabama and Texas A&M from the West to go along with already playing LSU from the West. And if you're Georgia, you're saying, well, look, yeah, it could be easier for us, perhaps in that scenario. Uh, And if that's the case, you know, Georgia would be looking at Arkansas and Mississippi State from the West to go along with, uh, you know, Alabama and Auburn that Georgia already has lined up for the 2020 season. So I would say in that scenario, you'd probably like Georgia set up even with Alabama and Auburn as Western Division opponents, uh, more so than you'd like Florida with LSU, Alabama, and Texas A&M. So there are those things to consider. You know, it's interesting, too, when you start trying to get to an SEC championship game, perhaps, at some point down the road. And we also heard yesterday the SEC championship game now pushed back to September the 19th. Excuse me, December the 19th. That would be really early. December the 19th for the SEC championship game. Uh, and you, you're trying to salvage that as much as possible. I mean, that's a big piece of the financial pie of your broadcast rights that CBS owns right now. And I know a lot of people look at CBS's current deal with the SEC for that 230 time slot, a couple doubleheaders throughout the course of the regular season. But then with the SEC championship as the cherry on top, I believe it's around $55 million per year the SEC pays for that package. Uh, CBS pays for that package. Um, but we're getting close to renegotiation or a new partnership in that slot. And according to reports that we first were really made aware of, say, seven, eight months ago, a lot of smoke around ESPN lurking there and ready to jump in there and perhaps write a check well in excess of that $55 million that CBS is currently paying for that deal. Perhaps five, six times as much. Talking about an excess of maybe $300 million for that, uh, for that, uh, for that slot and for the SEC championship game. So, you know, obviously finances come into play here. The big part of it, you're trying to salvage as much from that perspective as you possibly can throughout college football, not just at the group of five level, but power fives, man. They're bleeding too, trying to save every buck they can. Just look at what you're hearing about in terms of non-conference games that are likely to go away and the checks that were going to go to FCS programs and or FBS group of five programs from the power fives and getting into now the language of contracts and are these schools in the power five on the hook 
for at least some portion of the payment to schools like uh, Tennessee Martin, uh, schools like Kent State, schools like Georgia State that Alabama had on its 2020 schedule. Uh, That language is going to be very important. I think what you're going to see in most instances, and I know Texas A&M has spoken to this topic this morning already, that the opportunity is going to be there for a lot of these FCS and group of fives that are losing those games with power fives this year to make good and reschedule for dates down the road. That doesn't do Georgia State much good this year, but I think that's obviously going to be the approach in most instances involving those games. But other stuff in relation to a championship game in the conference too, you know, how this schedule is ultimately going to set up. Because when you look at it and say you use Alabama as an example, you look at the conference schedule and you look at September the 19th and Georgia's first up. So does that mean necessarily that Georgia's going to be Alabama's season opener in this conference-only approach? I wouldn't write it in stone. And I say that because you're hearing some rumblings from elsewhere around college football, most notably the Big Ten, where there is talk of getting the divisional games in the Big Ten up on the schedule, trying to ensure as best they can to get the divisional games in with the potential that, hey, look, you can say you're going to play 10 games, but none of us can say for sure right now that anyone's going to get 10 games in in 2020. I'm as excited as everybody else about what happened yesterday. I'm on record as thinking a 10-game SEC-only schedule could very well produce the greatest regular season in college football history. I told you yesterday, we talked with Chris Hummer, national college football writer for 247sports.com here on the show yesterday. Yes, you would love to preserve those rivalries with the ACC schools that your SEC teams have in place. Yes, you'd love to play Florida, Florida State. Yes, you'd love to play Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, South Carolina. I get it. I'm all about the tradition and the pageantry of those rivalries. I don't think Will Muschamp probably has a big problem not playing Clemson and Dabo Sweeney this year. And look, if we're being honest, Florida, Florida State right now doesn't have much pop. And, and, and I grew up around that rivalry, okay? Speaking of pop, you know, I, I saw Pops basically sent to his knees at some of those Florida, Florida State games when I was a kid. So I understand it. You know, I was at the game in 1996 in Tallahassee when Florida and Florida State were 1 2. Florida State won that game thinking it had the inside shot and then at the national championship only to see things play out in a manner in which Florida got a rematch for the national title in the Sugar Bowl that year. I get it. I get it with those rivalries. Um, But as I said yesterday, the SEC, if it wanted to go 10 games conference only, had plenty of juice had plenty of inventory, had plenty of stock, didn't need the ACC to validate its regular season for 2020. Uh, But from a divisional standpoint, that's something else we heard yesterday. The SEC plans to stick with divisional play. And again, the Big Ten, what we're hearing, is that the Big Ten may go with divisional games up in the schedule. So, in other words, don't just look at Alabama's schedule as it lays out right now for the upcoming season and think, oh, well, Georgia's the season opener. Well, Georgia was scheduled for September the 19th anyway. And what we know now is the season won't start to September the 26th. So there's a change in and of itself in relation to that Georgia game on September the 19th. But one of those things to consider with scheduling and how this is all going to play out is will the SEC perhaps look to get divisional games up in the rotation, up in the schedule? And if that's the case, as we're hearing with the Big Ten, talking the Big Ten that you might see Michigan and Ohio State in October instead of its traditional spot there at the end of the regular season. 
Could that be the case for Alabama-Auburn in 2020? It's all about, a lot about anyway, trying to preserve the setup and the run-up to a conference championship game if, in fact, you can get there on December the 19th. As for the start on September the 26th, man, we talked about this with Chris Hummer yesterday, too. We're all over the road in Power 5 football now with start dates, aren't we? I mean, the Big 12 said, you know what? We're actually going to go zero week in some instances on August the 29th. Uh, we've heard the Big Ten say, well, we're going to go with September the 5th. We've heard the ACC say what? September the 12th, I believe, for the ACC. And now with the SEC, we hear September the 26th. What I do like about that pushback, And I think, as we've seen and we've learned here in the last day or so, and I think there's some 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 solid forethought to this, is that there is an expectation that once you get all these students on campus, which at Alabama is going to be in about two weeks' time, you're going to get the fall semester started. Three weeks' time. And I can tell you, as I told you yesterday, the plan is obviously, especially where freshmen are concerned, to get these kids on campus. Tomorrow, you know what I'm doing tomorrow? I'm helping the youngest unload her stuff at Tutwiler Hall at 9 a.m. tomorrow. And then she is anticipated to move into Tutwiler next Tuesday. So it's full steam ahead with getting these freshmen on campus. Uh, even though Rush for the sororities has gone all virtual, all those girls, all those young ladies – are going on campus in the next four or five days. So there is this expectation once you get these young people together in mass, you are going to have a spike, and then you're going to try to weather that and give yourself some time to get to, say, September the 26th and that weekend. And perhaps by that point, you'll have enough testing and enough uh, you know, documentation, enough data to work off of, to feel okay about playing college football in some form or fashion in the SEC late, late in September. Now, from just a pure football perspective, now this is not a bad thing for the SEC coaches, the SEC teams. You got places like Alabama where you lost all of spring practice, you know, and you're in a phase right now of mandatory workouts where you're technically doing walkthroughs, but you got 11 on 11 on the field, offense and defense. You've got a football that you've been able to use during this latest phase of mandatory workouts. You've got your position coaches out there. You've, you've got Nick Saban out there. I'm not saying it's a full-on football practice because it's not. But you're able to accomplish some things even right now that are – a big part of what you're trying to do in the spring. A lot of installation, especially where newcomers are concerned. They can learn right now. And if you're going to push back this season, like the SEC uh, apparently is going to do by three weeks' time, well, that gives you essentially the opportunity to perhaps make up the spring practice you missed. And it also gives you extended time with your strength and conditioning people with an emphasis on Alabama implementing what seems to be an entirely new approach under Dr. Matt Ray and also uh, David Ballou. So there's some real positives to that. Just from a pure football standpoint, the uncertainty, though, with how all this is going to play out once we get all these students back on campus and what happens with the virus from there, well, that's still about anybody's guess. We're going to head to our first break when we come back. Charlie Potter of BamaOnline.com joins the program right here on Southern Fried Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolates here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. A few passing showers and thunderstorms are likely through tonight. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 75. Tomorrow, partially sunny. Scattered showers and thunderstorms developing during the day. The high in the low 90s at 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide!
a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Right here on Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now and welcome in my partner over there at BamaOnline.com. Does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for BOL. And that, of course, is Charlie Potter. Charlie, how are you doing on this Friday morning? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having me. Now, are you tailgating already? Or are you pre-gaming for the Magic in the Nets? And, and Dante Hall, by the way, in the Nets, coming up at, uh, what is that, one thirty? I think, this afternoon? Matinee NBA basketball today for you, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, not yet, but uh, it's good to see the <laughs> NBA back. I watched uh, the games last night. It was, it was interesting to see the setup and how they had the virtual fans. I thought that was actually kind of cool. Uh, it's a brave uh, venture on their part to trust the fans to not do anything weird on national television. But, you know, just to see basketball back and to see those guys uh, compete again, uh, it, it's fun. And, you know, you don't get to see the, the magic a lot being in Alabama because they're not on a lot of uh, national televised games. But um, to see them going against a former Alabama player would be really, really interesting to see them get back on the court. Yeah, I thought the games last night delivered, man. I mean, you wanted to see some star power. You wanted to see Kawhi versus LeBron. You wanted to see competitive, fairly well-played games, I'd say. And uh, I thought you got that from both the games yesterday. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, our Atlanta Braves, with a couple of nice bounce-back wins at Truist Park here in the last couple of days. It's always nice, I guess, when you turn that rotation over to Soroka and uh, Freed Charlie. It is, and now you get into the part where <laughs> you, you get oh, nervous no. because yeah. yeah, after that it's just like, <laughs> well, cross your fingers and hope for the best. Uh, but you know those young guys, they they've been really good, and uh, it's good to see them get a couple of home wins over the Rays. But yeah, I mean, as a Braves fan now is when it gets interesting. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, you know, and speaking of basketball, I was going to ask you too, and we're going to get into football talk obviously here in just a little bit. I mean, we're pretty much at the point for John Petty, right, to make a call on on what's next for him. We're we're right up here on the withdrawal deadline for the NBA draft, aren't we? Yeah, it, it should be um, you know pretty soon. Uh, I think he's still obviously taking as much time as he can, and can't fault the guy for that. I mean, the the big thing um, I think that you're waiting on is really to kind of see the the draft order and to maybe go through the combine. I believe he got an invitation him and Kyra Lewis. Uh, they haven't, I haven't seen an official official list, but the, the ones that look official enough have been out there and his name has been on there. And um, I don't know exactly what the combine will, will be like, if it'll be virtual or what uh, there's, there's just so many unknowns with this NBA draft process that it has kind of taken a while because there's just so much uncertainty, but um, you know, Nate Oates, I believe it was a, a month or so ago, said that you know they were going to have to probably wait until uh, the deadline to find out on Petty, and then that is coming up unless they push it back, which, I mean, as we've seen all off-season long, they've done that time and time again. But it is coming up close, and um, he has been a guy, though. He's He's been involved with the team. I know he's been through uh, the, the Zoom meetings they've gone through. He's been through some workouts. I know he's uh, kind of ping-pong maybe back and forth a little bit, but he has been in Tuscaloosa at times. and I think that's good to, to stay involved and not just be completely distant and distant yourself from the team. Uh, and, and that gives you you know a little bit of hope. You have to prepare as if he's not going to come back, but to have him there uh, gives you hope that you could have one of the best three-point shooters in the country back for this upcoming season. As far as the big news from yesterday with the SEC announcing formally that it plans to go with a 10-game schedule uh, that is uh, exclusive to league teams, and we're both on the roundtable there at BamaOnline.com, the premium message board uh, at BOL, what type of sense of morale did you get? from Alabama fans following that news yesterday. Did you sense a pretty big boost in morale from the fan base perspective? For the most part, yeah. I think they're, you know, it would have been nice if, like the ACC, they had pushed out a schedule so they could actually 
see it and see, okay, this is who they're going to play and maybe not win, but, you know, this is who they're, they're lined up for because they've known uh, since last year uh, the, the SEC teams that were on Alabama's schedule. And so there's just a lot of questions, I think, and, and guesses at the, the two teams that Alabama will add. But I think maybe it, it was pretty overwhelmingly positive because it is a step in the right direction for the season to happen. But I think a lot of them wanted an out-of-conference game. We saw what the ACC did with their decision, and that maybe uh, was trying to um, handcuff the SEC a little bit with adding one non-conference game. And Alabama fans have been wanting anything, whether it's Notre Dame. I know that got squashed by by Greg Byrne. But um, TCU, BYU, all these games that have been thrown out there, They've been up for it. They're just like, we, we want to play football. And uh, I think, though, with, with adding two games, you essentially – an SEC team can take the place of a USC and then the, the three kind of cupcake games that are uh, that are out there that get deleted, uh, replacing them with another SEC game. It, it makes the schedule a lot more exciting. I think overall there's, there's no real um, week where you can kind of, you know, be like, ah, well, you know. Chalked that one up for win. And of course, Alabama fans are going to do that, especially if they play a team like a Vanderbilt or a Missouri. But facing an SEC team each week, I think, is an exciting proposal and it makes for a, a very tough schedule and uh, one that should be uh, filled with a lot of intrigue should it take place as scheduled. I would think, Charlie, that SEC coaches like seeing that later start date of September the 26th. What about you? I mean, I. With so many of these teams missing out on spring practice and all these newcomers now, it seems like more and more being counted upon to contribute perhaps in a significant way uh, in their first seasons on campus. I, I, I got to think that Nick Saban is, is okay with that, uh, with that opening weekend being pushed back by a couple, three weeks. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's probably some good and bad because he's been uh, a long proponent of what we're in right now with this kind of teaching period uh, where they're able to get on the field with a football and they're not, you know, they don't have pads on, they're not doing any contact. It sounds like they're doing uh, plenty to, to install the, the game plan and stuff and get players acclimated, but it's not a full-blown practice. But um, he didn't want to have an extended fall camp. And I'm, I'm really going to be interested to see what the spring practice schedule looks like, like how many off days there are. I think they're going to be a lot more than usual just because you have, if they start, uh, next week, you're going to have, you know, three additional weeks of fall camp, basically. And you, you just don't want guys studying that much ahead of the season. So uh, I think they'll spread it out. But, yeah, I mean, the, the good thing for that is you didn't have a spring football practice. So, you know, I don't know if they're going to add 15 additional practices like you would have had back in uh, March and April. But you're in a situation where you get extra reps for those young guys that missed out on that because, the, the young guys, the newcomers, the new faces of the program are the ones that are hurt the most by not seeing uh, practice time in the spring. And to get that extra time, I think, is beneficial for them. I, I guess where it could be different is that you're putting this on the back end, right, instead of the front end. In other words, you're going to have the start of fall classes in mid-August. So that's going to lead you away from a typical fall camp setup, right? I mean, because you're going to have to factor in school and the 20-hour-a-week rule. So that right there should provide you with some discretion in terms of making sure you don't put too much football on these guys. No, yeah, I agree. And that's why I said, like, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the, the schedule will look like. I don't know if it'll be, you know, a seven-week uh, schedule, but at least for what the camp portion will be, um, yeah, you know, those, those 29 days or whatever it is, uh, I, I think just to see how it's spaced out because um, school will be starting soon. I think the, the, the idea in pushing it back, you, you kind of get a sense of, you know, what campus life and what life in general will be like when students return to campus and you return to a bit of a sense of normalcy because, you know, this, I don't think we're completely out of the woods yet. Uh, it's great news that they are moving ahead with the season and they've found a scenario they think is the, the safest, the best option for them. But, you know, it, it gives you time to, to adjust and see how things work. And um, I, I'm, I'm really interested. I think we'll probably get it pretty soon, the, the practice schedule and what Alabama plans to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think with, with classes starting back eventually, uh, you, you'll see it be where, you know, they, they factor that in and, and give these guys plenty of rest because they're going to have a, a long – uh, period to prepare for the 2020 season. 
Yeah, I think a Junction Boys type scenario, you know, with camp opening uh, is was potentially talked about in mid July or something. You know, that's that's where you, you could run into some some real problems. But yeah, you're right. You're still going to have to balance it, even if it's more towards the back end of this situation. Now, as far as a ten game conference schedule. Um, you know, what, what's the vibe you're getting in terms of what Alabama fans are hoping for and what might be most realistic? Yeah, I mean, I know that they, um, they caught wind of the idea of the next two teams in the rotation being on the schedule. And I think that's one that they, they would like to see. You would add Florida and Vanderbilt. You add, of the five teams that you can add to your schedule, you add the best and you add you know, sorry for Commodore fans that are listening, but the worst. And um, you essentially replace the USC game with Florida. Those are teams that I think are, you know, when you put them on paper and just look at the preseason rankings, they're pretty close to proximity. And then, um, you know, you you get a game against an SEC opponent, but, uh, you know, Vanderbilt's not going to put a lot of fear in people and see them on the schedule. So I think that's one way they would – like to see it go. You know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I know if you're Florida and you you draw Alabama and and uh, I think it's Texas A and M would be the team for them. That's uh, that increases the schedule that looked pretty manageable and, and it makes it even more difficult. But I mean, there's a variety of ways they can go. It sounds like they're weighing a bunch of different options. Um, I, I think seeing Alabama and Florida play in the regular season would be great. Um, you know, for me, we've, we've talked about it before, but I think we've anticipated seeing the season pushed back a little bit and seeing it move to conference only, um, was, was kind of the way that we were kind of trending and just to, to kind of see it come to fruition and, and be the plan. I'm good with it. So whoever they want to add to the schedule, as, as long as we have games to watch and stuff to write about, I'll be happy. I guess it's a potentially good thing too, in terms of Bryant Denny stadium, right? the pushback of the stadium and the pushback at the start of the season and knowing that it's pretty tight over there right now and trying to get that whole big project completed entirely. And uh, who knows, maybe, maybe we end up with some semblance of a SEC media days after all with all this, Charlie. Yeah. I think if you're Greg Byrne, you, you breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. I know this has just been a, probably extremely stressful and, and difficult time to go through as an athletic director of a Power 5 program, especially whenever you're on top of everything else you're doing, you have a, a stadium and a facility construction going on. But to get, you know, extra weeks to work with is, is a godsend for those guys because uh, I think, you know, they were working diligently and they were on schedule to finish, but you, you can kind of breathe a little bit more. You're not going to be, um, you know, hard-pressed to finish this thing up before – uh, the first week of September, you get a few more weeks to work with, and um, I think that's that's a, that's a blessing in disguise. And as far as SEC media days go, um, you know, we've seen uh, various other conferences move to uh, their their virtual setup, which is what SEC media days is going to be, and then some of some is canceled. So I don't know what the case will be. We haven't heard much from Nick Saban this offseason. I think the last time we heard from him was on a teleconference in March. Um, but it's it's a situation, or maybe it was early April. But uh, we'll we'll get him soon. I, I know they have a plan in place for for Zoom calls and things like that uh, once camp opens up. But uh, SEC media days, it's it's a shame we we haven't got to see it yet, just with the new personalities uh, added to the league and, and Kiffin and and Mike Leach. But but fingers crossed, we'll get some kind of something before the season starts. A little more time too, Charlie, to get some of these injured guys right, right? Guys like Dylan Moses, Josh McMillan, you know, that you, you went the 2019 season without, that can't be a bad thing. Trey Sanders at running back. No, I mean, that's that's another added benefit. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, people look to the spring and not having it as, you know, that that's a bummer for a lot of players. But those guys really got to focus on their bodies. I know uh, I talked to Miller Forrestal's dad, and he's not in the same boat as a guy like Dylan Moses or – Josh McMillan or Trey Sanders missing the entire season, but he's been banged up for most of his career. And to have a spring where he's not colliding with people and to really just focus on getting his body right was just extremely beneficial. And I think the same could be said for those guys that are coming off of season-ending injuries. It sounds like those guys are, are back on the field and, and doing well. Uh, the guys that, that missed all last season last year. So that's, you know, when you're Alabama and you lost so much on the defensive side of the ball, getting those guys back will be extremely beneficial and um you know same goes for trey sanders i mean you have Najee harris back you have brian robinson back but 
to get him on the field and, and looking like his old self is, is going to make this offense and rushing attack even more uh, impressive. And, uh, no, I mean, you you give those guys more time and time to, to focus on their bodies and rehab, and uh, that that's nothing but a benefit for, for Alabama and the players all around. Well, we know you're all over it at BamaOnline.com, and we certainly appreciate the coverage there and the great work you do and also the help you give us here on the program. So with that, enjoy the weekend, my man. We'll catch up again soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Charlie Potter, beat reporter extraordinaire at BamaOnline.com. If you haven't already, give Charlie a follow on Twitter, at Charlie underscore Potter, P-O-T, T-E-R. Back with more of Southern Fried Sports on a Friday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Born on this day in 1958, Bill Berry, drummer, R.E.M. So there you go, R.E.M., your playlist theme on this Friday. Anytime we get an opportunity to play the fellas from over in Athens, Georgia, we tend to take advantage of those opportunities, and we're going to do that again on this Friday. The show, as always, brought to you in part, by the way, Houston Hydrastein. Extend the life of your carpets, your rugs, your furniture, your window treatments, your tile, your grout. Do that right now by giving Houston Hydrasteam a call at 205-553-9460. Outstanding service, locally owned and operated. Jackie and the rest of the crew there at Houston Hydrasteam, I can tell you personally, first class organization, great, great work. At very reasonable prices, 205-553-9460. Get that uh, Houston Flooring Revival that we got at Casa de Rire. Trust me. Trust me. You're going to love it. Houston Hydrasteam. Quality work you can stand on. Looks like the Monday night football booth is set. Does anyone care anymore about who's in the booth for Monday night football? Man, growing up. Here comes an OK Boomer segment, so get ready. Growing up, you knew four or five people for sure on television on a regular basis. You knew that, say, Walter Cronkite, when I was a really young kid, maybe Dan Rather, when you talk about the CBS Evening News, those were your anchors. You knew those people. And then Monday Night Football. I mean, you knew it was going to be Howard Cosell, Frank Gifford, maybe uh, Dandy Don Meredith during that era. You knew who the Monday Night Football crew was. Now, look, this was pre-cable, so that was one of about, what, four NFL football games you were going to get on a weekly basis, and maybe four of the seven or eight that you got in general on a weekly basis, six or seven maybe. So you absolutely knew. And we're captivated by the folks that were in the booth for Monday Night Football. Not so much anymore, but it looks like ESPN has chosen Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Reddick as the new three-man booth for Monday Night Football. Now, when you have that opening weekend and you're going to have the doubleheader there, you are going to have Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, as the second game announcers, this according to Jim Miller, formerly of ESPN, little breaking news tweet here from Jim Miller, now known mostly for his podcast, Origins, 
with James Andrew Miller. Just recently dropped a great one, by the way. If you're an Almost Famous fan, the movie Almost Famous fan like I am, he's got this sort of 20-year anniversary of the movie where he's got cast members, pretty much all of them, other than, unfortunately, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who left us too soon. But Jim Miller, that's his report this morning, that that's your new three-man booth. I love Lewis Riddick, man. I've been a longtime proponent of Lewis Riddick, going back to when Lewis Riddick was actually providing NFL draft uh, analysis on ESPN radio. He wasn't even on television yet, but I happened to hear Lewis Riddick, this was probably six, seven years ago, doing NFL draft coverage on ESPN radio one night of the draft back in like 2014 or so, and I thought, this dude is great. And so it's great to see Lewis Riddick in that spot. Steve Levy, I can kind of, eh. Brian Greasy, okay. Uh, But as long as they leave Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge alone, because that would have been the call for me if I'm ESPN. I just would have promoted McDonough back up to Monday Night Football. He had done it before and had him work with Todd Blackledge. But I'm glad they left our guys alone. Glad they left our college football guys alone. We're going to step aside for our final break. We come back. It's that time on Friday. Pops on point. By the way, there is a new Pops on point t-shirt that has been made available by Tide 100.9 FM. So you, too, can be a proud owner of a Pops on point t-shirt if you'd like to do that. We'll talk with Pops about that and a whole lot more when the show returns right after this. Mountain Dew. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. A few passing showers and thunderstorms are likely through tonight. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 75. Tomorrow, partially sunny. Scattered showers and thunderstorms developing during the day. The high in the low 90s at 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. More of a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And it is that time on Friday when we go to the Peter Brick Chocolate Tier Studio Line and check in with our guy, Pops. Pops, what's going on? I don't know it. How y'all doing? You, you already get the grass cut? Got it done, man. You got it knocked out. Got it knocked out? Was it? Did you have to take a couple breaks, or how did that go? <laughs> yeah, I took two Gatorade breaks. Two. Two Gatorade? Two, yeah. I'm telling not you. Bloody, man, not Bloody Mary breaks, Not right? Bloody Mary, because <laughs> yeah, I'd have never finished. It sounds really someone, good, though. If someone had been there with one handy, oh, I, you, you oh, would have drank it. I would have had to, I'd have had to devour it. Ice cold, buddy. Ice Pops. cold. With that celery stalk in it, Pops. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh? Just just fresh celery with salt on you know, it, you know? Well, I'll tell you this. I, I got a call from your people this morning Uh-oh. because the radio station has come out with another Pops on Point t-shirt oh, no. that, you're, that you've graced. <laughs> and uh, your people... Called me first thing this morning asking about licensing fees and your cut of the proceeds, pops. <laughs> yeah, I'm, gone, I'm getting I'm getting wealthy off these t-shirts. That's for sure. you, you've gone big time on us, pops. Oh yeah, yeah. You got people now, pops. I didn't know you had people. I didn't you either. Know? I don't. I, well, I have I, I, no yeah. idea who it could be. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty uh, pretty adamant about. Really? Uh, they, they spoke of potential litigation and, and these things in relation to these new T-shirts that you can get of Pops on Point there at Tide109.com. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, just let them know. We'll, we're we're going we're gonna to work something out. We'll work it out. Well, if I hey. knew who it was, I'd let them know. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, Pops, you know, the SEC, what, what do you think about that? The SEC coming out yesterday and saying, 
we're going to play 10 games, attempt to play 10 games, conference only. Do you like that format, Pops, or do you well, do you not like it because you're going to lose your Florida-Florida State game? Well, that, that's the problem, Trey, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the only game that, I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Florida's got to got to win that game, and, and, and it's been that way for years now, and, and uh, it's not going to happen this year. I don't even know if the ten conference games are going to happen this year, but uh, uh, even if they do, the Florida State game won't. So that, that, but pops that's disappointing. If you get Alabama on the schedule, that's going to have more pop nationally than Florida Florida State pops. If you get yeah, Alabama I, Florida I together this year, well, well the, the Alabama. Whenever Alabama plays Florida, it, it's tough for me i mean i'm i've been a gator all my life but i also like alabama and uh it always is in the last few years i say last few probably 10 to 15 years i've is if alabama's got the shot at the national championship i want them to you know wind up uh i don't want florida upset the apple cart and give them you know but now that florida they're playing decent and having, you know, good opportunities also. Uh, if they could win maybe, the, you know, and go undefeated, they'd have a shot. So it, it, it's a tough a tough position for me. But, who uh, does who does Dan Mullen want to play, Pops? Florida State or Alabama? Who does uh, Danny want to play, Pops? Well, he's going to play Alabama, you know. He wants to play Alabama. Yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd tell you that. Now, whether he he would. Oh, okay. He'd tell you know us that. Saying? But in his heart of hearts, pops, if we gave him <laughs> truth serum, <laughs> I think he wants Alabama. the Seminoles, doesn't he, pops? Uh huh. I think he'd rather see the Seminoles than Alabama, pops. Well, yeah, I, I know. But you, when you get a chance to play out, you get a chance to, as a as a coach, you get yeah. a chance to play the best team around, and, and it's in your yeah. conference too. You know, you got to feel like you got to take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, yeah, Dan, Dan's still over against Nick and Kirby Pops. That'd be either one of them, yet, I Pops. Know, I, I know, and it, uh, but uh, I got, I, I, I'm, I'm a Mullen guy. I'm I know. a Nick guy too, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my problem. Now, now, Pops, you've pretty much retired from attending professional and collegiate football. You like to go to the high school games still. Oh, you still yeah, go to the high I school go, games. I go, all, I go to a lot of high school games. You like to go to the double A uh baseball, especially yeah. on Thirsty Thursday. Yeah. Oh that yeah. you've had to miss this year. Yeah. Um if you were back and say, let's say it's nineteen eighty Pops and Herschel and the dogs are coming to Jacksonville to take on Charlie Pell's Gators and thinking about what capacities might look like in college football for this year let's say only 20,000 were allowed in the Gator Bowl back in 1980 for Georgia and Florida how would you and your merry band of 'er ne'er-do-wells manage to get in the stadium pops with just 20,000 allowed in that's a that's a real good question but I guarantee (laughs) you we'll be there (laughs) I think it would have ended with incarceration it it could it could easily and then incarcerated. <laughs> that almost occurred when 80,000 were. That's what I mean. You, you were able to run and hide in the crowd back in 80. You couldn't do that, that with 20,000 I mean, pops. No, we would be there. We'd start the morning off with the Bloody Mary breakfasts like we always did and, uh, and make a day of it. But, uh, oh, yeah. I, that, when I was younger, I mean, college was, was huge. It, uh-huh. I had the energy to handle it all day long and then party all night long over Dollar's house, you know. <laughs> but uh and, and the same way with with pro football. I love pro football. The USFL. To go, to go to, yeah. The, the that was bowl. like Florida, Georgia every week back yeah, to USFL. I, mean, I, I, you know, I had the energy to do all that, but as I've grown older, the only energy I have is to go watch a high school game for an hour and a half, you know. <laughs> and get now, drive me home uh-huh. <laughs> now with the devil rays playing the braves here over the last four days were you able to watch your braves down there because yeah, usually you're stuck yeah. with the marlins and the and the d-rays and you don't even have the marlins right now i know, I know. but i but i 
you know, I was watching the, on MLB channel, and they would show innings that they were playing. You know, I've mm-hmm. I've watched more of that baseball than I thought I would actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that what Philadelphia is not playing now, and and the Cardinals postponed a game tonight, pops. Oh Lord! So they got a couple of players with the vid. Yeah, I, I hate to I hate to hear all that because you know. It, that's like I was telling you, playing ten college games. I don't even know if they'll get those in. I, I, I hope they do, but I just like I've always said, when this has been going on. I, I don't, I don't see how they're going to do it. Well, some good news we did get in the last day or so is that your oldest son and my oldest brother, yeah, yeah. Uh, has recovered from the COVID nineteen. He is did he, did he get the uh, results on the second test yet. I think he's getting it today. He's his yeah, first test, he was clear. So the uh, Ernest Eugene Ryer Jr., yeah, uh, the oldest, the uh, oldest son of Pops. <laughs> We're open for some more good news for him today, Pops. Yeah, that's that's wonderful, and 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 he did a good job, buddy. I tell you, we carry yeah. food over and stuff, and he'd holler through the door. <laughs> yeah, say, but he wouldn't tough, tough stuff. He wouldn't take a chance. So, but I'm so tickled to death that, that uh, and I know he is too. Absolutely. Well, Pops, enjoy your weekend as best you can. Stay safe, and we'll do it again next week. All right, buddy. I'll talk at you later. There goes. There goes Pops. Pops now. You know, I'm having to deal with his people with this T-shirt and everything else. I hear calendars under development for Pops. It's gotten out of hand here. That's going to do it for a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks to Pops. Thanks to Charlie Potter. Thanks to JR, Tommy Paradise, and the rest of the crew in the production booth there at Tide 100.9 FM. The lunch whistle on this Friday, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Get by there, get that Yardbird chicken sandwich. I'm just telling you, man. Best chicken sandwich you'll ever put in your mouth, the Yardbird. So many other great options as well. At Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you.